You are listening to the MJ Sportscast. Recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Hello, and welcome to the Yang and Tang Show, a.k.a. the MJ Sportscast. This is your host, Jerry Yang. So, in the beginning of this recording, we actually had it cut off by our technology. Um, Mike Tang starts the show and asks me how I'm doing, what on my, on my mind. And I talked about Richard Sherman and how concerned I am about Richard Sherman and his situation, which we get into later. And I asked him how he what was on his mind. And he mentioned the MLB All-Star Game. And that's where the recording starts. So, hope you enjoy the show. And we apologize for um, the audio being cut off. Enjoy. Uh, specifically, the All-Star Game, uh, the Home Run Derby. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the comments made, uh, you know, from some of the ESPN media um, mm-hmm. people in regards to, um, you know, some of like the Asian community race. Uh, we can mm-hmm. definitely dive deeper into that um, as well here. Yeah, it sounds good. Sounds good. I think it's like <clears throat> unfortunate that it has to come down the race sometimes with some of these things. And, you know, you figure in this day and age with so many like, you know, Black Lives Matter protests, everything else that, you know, race shouldn't matter anymore, you know, mm-hmm. but it's just surprising when you see things like that, when you see or hear about racial, you know, inequality and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess like when say specifically the Asian, um, the Asian race, right? Especially mm-hmm. like a guy like um, Shohei Otani, he's like probably like the, the main superstar Asian baseball player, maybe in all the sports, not just in baseball, mm-hmm. right? That used to be dominated by guys like Yao Ming, Ichiro Suzuki, but now mm-hmm. it's just it just lies upon Otani, right? So he becomes kind of like a victim in terms of like you know the respect that he garners and um it's also a disrespect to the asian community in general um here and uh, you mm-hmm. know just some of those comments made by um espn analyst uh stephen a smith so what did what did he say i guess what do you say i guess exactly. he indicated um something along the lines where he kind of you know major league baseball or the public they're trying to draw comparisons um to babe ruth in regards mm-hmm. to Otani, but um, Stephen A. Smith says that he can't be the face of the sport because he doesn't speak full English and he needs an interpreter, mm-hmm. right? So that kind of rubbed people off the wrong way, especially on social media, especially watching that on TV um, here. And Stephen A., he tried to take those comments back. Unfortunately, you know, some of that backlash, it's still, uh, it's still ongoing. You know, yeah, based the on damage a, has been done, ago, right? Right, damage has been done. So, I don't know. That seems like a very ignorant thing to say, <laughs> but I guess it's like, sure, he has an interpreter, but how many baseball players, like Hispanic baseball players, have interpreters as well, right? That we probably respect and we don't know about. Um, maybe Otani was just the most obvious because during the all-star game, he had the interpreter there. 
Um, but also, what what what's stopping him from learning English? You know, like a lot of these guys come to the U.S. initially not knowing, you know, English and probably need an interpreter, but they actually learn it pretty well. Or maybe they know a little bit of English, but they're just not confident, and so they have an interpreter, right? Like I don't think we fully understand his situation to be judging that. And I think Stephen A. Smith is bit out of line for saying that. And but. That's how his show is, you know. Like I think he's just trying to garner attention. That's why I never watched first take. You know, to be honest with you, I think Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith. Uh, whenever I turn it on, it's like a shouting match between the two. And then I think they're just trying to find a way to shake up the internet or get people to watch and get people to talk about it. And it's working. We're talking about it, mm-hmm. but it's just yeah, whatever. I think Otani's awesome, right? I think. You know, not being an Angels fan or anything. <laughs> I think Otani, you know, the fact he can pitch and he hit, I think he's like a sensation. Like, um, my wife, uh, who's Japanese, actually heard of Otani. She never watches baseball. And she's telling me that Japanese media is blowing him up. They're like saying he's like the greatest thing ever now, you know. And, and my wife's actually gotten more into baseball because of him. She's like watching, you know, highlights of Otani and things like that. And I guess that's like a common theme with um, with Japanese media. Whenever there is a Japanese like person that gets famous in the U.S. and internationally, they become like the biggest sensation. Right? I think currently Otani is definitely that guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There, I agree with you on on all accounts about Otani. Uh, I think he's having a great season. Let's just see if he can sustain that success, you know, over a long period of time. You know, we haven't. That's it's one of the reasons why we haven't seen a player, you know, be great at both pitching mm-hmm. and also hitting because it's very hard, right? Yeah. So hope you know, I'm really rooting for him to succeed, and I'm really hoping that he puts up these great numbers, you know, five years from now, ten years from mm-hmm. now, and. Um, and just kind of, uh, you know, give back, you know, to baseball, you know, um, mm-hmm. yeah, baseball needs a new face. Um, Stephen A is not incorrect saying that, you know, baseball in general, um, you know, kind of lacks that promotional figure because mm-hmm. you have guys like Mike Trout, you know, my guys like Mike Trout, he doesn't go out of his way to promote the game. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's really, there's really no one else out there that can promote mm-hmm. it besides Otani at this point. Um, yeah. And like, I, I, I think the last person I can think of is probably Derek Jeter or Alex Rodriguez, and both those guys are retired, right? I think those two are definitely like household names, like where we like them or not. But I think everyone knows those two names, you know? And if you ask like a non-baseball fan um, to name like a player right now, I would say Otani is probably the name they would bring up, right? And I think maybe um, Albert Pujols, but even that's like kind of a deep hole, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't think he's as prominent as a mainstream name right now. So, yeah, I think Otani, I don't think Otani is completely there yet. I think he's still making a name for himself and he's still getting to that fact of becoming the household <laughs> name. But I think he'll get there eventually if he keeps up the numbers that he's putting up and the pitching numbers that he's putting up, right? So, I think. Yeah, I think Otani can be that that household name, and internationally, I think he's already getting there, especially in Asia, right? So, yeah, let's kind of go back to what uh, you were referencing in the beginning of the show in regards to Richard Sherman. So it looks like Richard Sherman's in the news for the wrong reasons. Um, before this, you know, he couldn't he he couldn't sign on to a team. He was with the 49ers mm-hmm. for about what two years, 
about two to three seasons. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, here he was injured for most of last season, played maybe what four or five games or so. Mm-hmm. But uh, most recently, you know, he's been in a little bit of trouble in regards to the news. So I guess there's a report this morning in regards to Sherman being booked um, at a correctional facility um, for uh, burglary domestic violence um, here. And there was also a second report from Washington State Police investigating Sherman in connection to a hit and run um, here. What are your first thoughts um, in regards to this news? Like, <clears throat> it's a horrible look, right? Like, um, the hit and run, I think they're also investigative. It's a DUI. So there's definitely some trouble hanging out here. And this makes me wonder, I guess, the first thing I thought, it was like, good thing the Niners inside him. <laughs> like, selfishly, just thinking like, oh, mm-hmm. um, we dodge a bullet from the Niners perspective. Mm-hmm. And then I guess the second thought after that is I'm kind of sad for him. You know, like now his chances of, you know, forget playing, like he might be facing some like criminal charges, you know, um, based on what I'm hearing, the burglary, domestic violence charges finally get dropped. His wife came out and defended him, which is a good sign. That means it's probably going to be dropped. But that hit and run DUI is going to stick with him, right? And that his value was already pretty low in terms of free agency market. Now I'm kind of worried about his legacy, right? I think he was always been the kind of straight edge, like guy that's speaking out for all professional players is not getting in trouble. You know, I think he, when he was active, he was really upfront about not becoming exactly this, right? <laughs> getting in trouble in the off season. And now it kind of reminds me a little bit of Alden Smith, a little bit, right? I think obviously Alden Smith is a little bit more extreme because it's during the peak of his career um, versus Sherman's near the end of it, right? But mm-hmm. either way, I think both both cases are, are very bad, right? And not a role model that <laughs> you want to be, right? Or not, not be a person who's considered a role model they shouldn't be doing things like this, right? And I don't know the whole story yet, um, so I'm going to stay tuned and kind of see his side of it and see how he can explain what happened. I think eventually he will, right? I think he'll eventually come out of jail and then put out Facebook or his agent, or he doesn't have an agent, right? So it has to be something on social media or Twitter or something to to kind of talk about exactly what happened, what's his side of the story. You know, and then we'll kind of judge it based on that. Yeah, it's unfortunate just because, um, you know, we see this a lot, you know, with athletes, you know, towards the end of their career and they can't um, they can't pick up on another team or they're forced yeah. to kind of retire. They don't, you know, they don't really know what to do with their free time, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, athletes like Sherman, he's been, you know, seen at parties, you know, various times, you know, throughout, yeah. throughout the, the last year or so. And uh, you, you kind of have to wonder, you know, what, what kind of environment they're putting themselves into, right, when they put themselves there. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that Sherman's a bad dude, you know, generally, but maybe he's hanging out with the wrong people or maybe he's kind of trying to numb himself from the pain of not mm-hmm. being with a team, you know, at this point of his career yeah. here. Um, and it's also very troubling because, you know, Richard Sherman's a re- very bright dude, came from Stanford, very well-versed. Yep. Um, you know, he would have had a career, you know, either in broadcasting as an analysis, um, in the media. Mm-hmm. He could do anything he, he, could, Coaching, he could want, right? you know? Yeah. Uh, but now that, that, may be, uh, that may be stopped 
temporarily because of these uh, because of these allegations or whatever he's going through here. So um, the, the, the great thing about sports is that the sports community is very forgiving. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, people are talking about it right now, but I could foresee this like kind of the new this kind of news kind of blowing by. Right. And he picks up like on some some type of position where, where he gets to be like on CBS or, or some other network. Um, here, all he really has to do is really issue an apology, an, ap- an apology, um, you know, to all of us, and they'll let him go. You know, that's just yeah. the reality of sports, right? I so. guess the one thing that I would be afraid of for him is that there's definitely a lot of layers to this, right? I think this incident is like a, almost like a cry for help in some ways. You know, it seems like it's yeah. a cry for help, and. I think there's a lot of like probably emotional distress potentially he's in, or he's in a bad relationship, or he's, you know, um, maybe mentally unstable, maybe CTE, right? Um, I know we might talk about it, but Greg Clark died recently, 49 years old from CTE, right? Um, And CTE kind of makes you do crazy things like this, you know, like this is not off brand from head injury or head trauma. So hopefully for his sake, um, both, I guess, physical and emotional health after this, I think the best thing that can happen to him, to be honest with you, is um, they let him go, maybe find him, and then make him go through some type of counseling, right? Like some type of, you know, state-controlled or federal-controlled, like, um, a psych- psychological evaluation or counseling or therapy, right? And since it's a first-time offense, I think that's not off the table. And he didn't hurt anyone, right? There's not a victim besides him in this whole thing. So I think it wouldn't be out of the question for a judge to just do that, right? Find them, issue that that's um, two months or three months sobriety, sobriety period where he goes to therapy. And I think that would be the best thing to happen with him, you know, like yeah. deal with his own demons and deal with his personal issues and things like that. And then, yeah, and then after that, exactly what you said media i think that'll turn the media around right like if he got that and he went through counseling and his image is now hey i'm i'm the recovering you know addict or recovering from uh, depression right um then yeah i think he'll, he'll be more than um clean in terms of the public eye and be able to get back in so yeah yeah um it's a very sticky situation and we'll, we'll definitely learn more news, you know, as time goes on here. Yep. So what do you think of the uh, all-star festivities um, here? The home <laughs> run derby um, just completed, you know, it was a different format than in previous years. There's ba- it's based on seedings um, yeah. here. So uh, did you like the, the format or did you, uh, did you like the older format a little bit better? You know, that's my favorite part of the All-Star weekend or mm-hmm. week, right? I don't think it's a weekend anymore, but All-Star week is the home run derby. That's always been the most exciting for me. And Pete Al- Al- Alonzo from the Mets won it, and I thought it was deserving. Um, I guess a couple things to think about that. I do like the new format in the sense that they do time-based rather than outs. I think before it was like 10 outs, right, Mike? Like you'd Yeah, get 10 somewhere outs along those lines where you get like a X and X number of outs um, here. Uh, so you really and like out the is fast- basically no home runs, right? Like I think outs is a non-home run. So even yeah, if basically crowd, if you swing, if you swing at the pitch and it's not a home run, then that's an out. But then if you allow yeah. the pitch to go through, then it, it doesn't count as anything. 
right? Yeah. So I guess like they, I guess they implemented this time-based format because mm -hmm. they didn't want batters to be taking so many pitches, right? <laughs> yeah, it was. I think it was three minutes, and then you can swing as many times as you want. You can stop early too. I think a few players stopped early. And then you have a 30 second like speed round to do it. And then if there's a tiebreaker, you go through like a three swing tiebreaker. Um, mm -hmm. I like the format. I actually like that a lot. I thought it was a lot more fast paced, a lot less people just taking pitches, right? And um, but the part I didn't like is a bracket system, mainly because I think Otani had like what 28 home runs. Um, and the other person in a different bracket had 14 and the 14 advanced, right? I thought was, that was completely unfair. If they're going to bracket the whole thing, I think I think they just get rid of the bracket and just do like a whole top 10 or top three moves on type of situation, kind of like mm -hmm. what um, the NBA does with the three-point contest and the dunk contest. I think they do it that format, right, where – you know, you you get the time base just like the three point contest, but then you you base it on the, you know the number of home runs you have, and then you go advance to a second round and th finally a final. You know, so I thought that was a missed opportunity there, and I think Otani and um, who was he going up against in the first round? I forgot who it was, but I think he went uh, up against uh, Soto in the first. Soto, round. yeah. So that was a that was awesome. They had a really close match and went to a two tiebreaker before actually settling, settling um, Soto as the winner that moved on. Right, and I think they missed the opportunity there because if instead of doing this tiebreaker, do the rank system, have every top three or four move on to the next round, right, or top two move on, then do a finals there. I think that would have been cool to see Soto and Altan. Otani go at it again, right? Um, or maybe P. Alonso gets up there and goes against, you know, um, Otani. That would be great. So I think they missed opportunity there. And I think one strategy that I, me and you were talking about that everyone mm -hmm. underestimates is the person pitching to you. Um, I think P. Alonso had like a really big advantage because he had, um, was it Javi? To be or to his, name the, was, his last name was Joss. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think he was the pitching coach or he was like a mentor or something like that. Right. But that dude was doing great at <laughs> pitching. And I think it has the strategy changes a little bit when you're trying to get hits. Right. I think you, you want to hang the ball a little bit to the, down the middle. I think it's a perfect pitch, you know. And, and Joff was doing a great job of doing that. And I think that's why P. Alonzo won, you know. And, I think um, most people pick their pitching coach, which I thought was kind of strange because I think pitchers are taught to get outs, right? They're not taught teaching pitchers to get you know home runs. So I think that was kind of a misstep there. And I think going forward, um, you know, if I if I had to advise someone on the three point or on the home run derby, I would say, hey, pick a good guy to pitch to you and and do it in the way that Jalf did it. You know, just hang the ball a little bit down the middle. So. Yeah, I like uh, I like your idea about kind of ditching uh, the seed the seeding format there and just kind of picking the mm -hmm. guys who hit the most home runs in the first round and having them advance to the second round, right? Yeah. Um, but I have to kind of disagree about the fast format on there. I really actually enjoyed the previous format in which a guy hits a home run and then there's a little bit of a break and then the camera actually shows and captures you know how oh, far yeah, yeah, the ball good. goes in the outfield. Yeah, you can actually. They still do that, didn't they? Didn't they still do that? They or? did, but it was so quick. They had like a split oh, okay, screen, right? And then like they would just show like the guy swing, and then on the other side of the screen, 
you see where the ball is going, and then all of a sudden oh, you have, and then all of a sudden you have another, um, you have another swing again, and then you see the ball go out again. You don't really, you don't really get to capture and enjoy that moment where a guy hits like a you, monstrous five hundred foot home run, mm-hmm. right? You, you think a split to, stream would have been better if they did like a split stream, kind of like how me and you are now, and then one guy's still swinging, and then they kind of. Yeah, track the ball with the other swing. Like if it's a home run, they kind of split screen track it. Would that I actually like? Experience? I actually like just one screen, right? Okay. Because I want to see one screen, and then just like having them swing the ball, and then the and then the camera captures the ball all the way through to the to the stands, right? Yeah. I think okay. that is a lot more. That I I feel like that's a way more enjoyable experience. You know, all right. As, all right. As, as someone who's been watching the all-star game festivities for a while, I mean, I understand where they're coming from. They kind of want to keep the fans engaged yeah. like, with this fast speed thing. But so at me, the same me, time, guess, yeah. yeah, at I the same time, right? I think, slow. Come on. Yeah. you know what? At the same time, like, um, you know, they're trying to speed up this, this home run derby, right? But Otani wasn't really, he didn't even get up to bat until like maybe two hours into the home run derby itself. And that, that was like a four hour event. Right, <laughs> so so they're trying to speed it up, That's but then like point. it really it really <laughs> felt like a New York Yankee Boston Red Sox ESPN <laughs> game on Sunday night, right? So That's a good point. You make a really good point there. They want to speed it up, but yet they they messed around with all the non derby festivities that made it stretch it out long. Yeah. yeah, I never thought about that way, but you're you're absolutely correct on that. <laughs> um, One but... more thing to note: Pete Alonso he wins his consecutive home run derby. Oh, you won it last year too, huh? And uh, I believe he also hit the most home runs ever in a home run derby, right? But then you also oh. have to be conscious that with this new format, you're going to hit a lot more home runs, right? With- yeah, and the fir- and someone that was in the first round, like Otani got eliminated. If he had made to the second round, he probably would have hit more home runs, maybe challenge that, that record, right? So, I don't know. The, that bracket system just bothers me. <laughs> I just hate it. I don't know. I just think it's really unfair. That's all. Yeah, and it's also there's also an argument um, indicating that maybe Pete Alonso is the best home run derby player to ever play yeah. in these events right and maybe he's just kind of made up he's just made for this event right? <laughs> i love it i love it you know there's some guys that are like that right i think um um there's one guy from the raptors back in the day that was this awesome at three-point contests right like he's always sinking three points and i think he was made for that vince carter for the dunk contest right i think he was like really highlighted for that sport next to michael jordan of course right but i think vince carter was pretty well known for those things so i think that's pretty cool that some guys are like that and, and no, I, but, I, I don't but, think you know, you know we've know. seen we've seen like just home run strict strictly hitters you know in the regular yeah. season where they have low averages and they try to hit home runs all the time they don't do well in the home run derby right? yeah, but yeah, Pete yeah, Alonso, yeah, yeah he's the yeah, kind yeah. of guy he's also a great hitter as well he's not just uh, a home run hitter during the regular season he's a great contact hitter so it's really gotcha, rare gotcha. to see it's really rare to see someone with that combination you know kind of dominate these home run derbies you know right, it's really right. it's really nice to see very it's just very nice because you would think of someone who wins a home run derby it's someone <laughs> you know slugging 220 kind of Adam, right. Adam Dunn like you know just going for yeah. it all you know so, do you think the Mets are underrated cuz they also have Jake 
Jacob uh, DeGrom, who was uh, lights out the season as well, right? So they have one of the better hitters in Alonzo, and now they have a, like a pretty lights out pitcher. Do you, you think? Uh, you think they're a little bit underrated compared to what the media is portrayed out to be? I think they've been I'm not underachieving. Much that. Yeah, I think they've been <laughs> underachieving for quite a while there. Uh, that could be due mm-hmm. to um, you know some of the players underachieving themselves. Um, Jacob yeah. Degrom has kind of uh, he hasn't really been healthy. I don't think right fully. Oh, is he not this okay. whole season? Um, that's why he's not in the All Star game, right? Yeah. Um, so the, the Mets have just a ton of issues, you know, on their own right. Um, there, but uh, let's kind of talk about the Giants and the the recent MLB draft um, here. So yes. you know, there's news out there, you know, that the at, that the Angels drafted all pitchers, right? <laughs> yeah, at least the first few rounds, right? I think today there was, they, I think they got more positional players today. In the I think they went like 19. Rounds, I think they went like the first 19 for, 19 20. for 20 or 19 for 19. Um, there, the Giants did a similar philosophy in which they went, I think, what, 10 for 10? 14. 14 for 20. They, 14 they, for 20, but I think they went like consecutive yeah. oh, in a the row. First 10. Yeah, 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 the first 10 or so, they went uh, all pitchers. Mm-hmm. And I think they went that route just because um, they kind of had like a little bit of an imbalance of um, positional, you know, good positional mm-hmm. players in their farm system versus like the pitchers. So, yeah, I think it was also a deep uh, draft, a uh, pitcher draft is from what I'm reading, right? I think that um, based on, like, all the positional players that got evaluated and ranked, mm-hmm. I think a lot of pitchers are ranked a lot higher than a lot of positional players. So I think um, the Giants and the Angels kind of capitalize on that data, yes. <laughs> I think some teams didn't really take that data as seriously. But, you know. Do you think it was a good move for these teams to draft all the all these pitchers within the we'll first find 10 out. Picks? I mean, we'll find out, right? But I think pitchers are a little bit harder to come by in terms of um, once you have a good one, you kind of, you typically stick with them. So it's rare that you get like a free agent pitcher unless it's like a really high profile trade or whatever, right? But I think it's really hard to fill out those pitching pitchers until they're a little bit over the hill. Um, yeah. You want team control, right? You want like uh, for these pitchers, young pitchers, you want team control um, for yeah. them within the first like – you know, seven years of their, right. ma- of their major league baseball career, right? So yeah. when a guy comes up at 20, 21, you want team control until like they're 27, 28, right? Mm-hmm. And then by that time, then you have to decide, is are these guys worth picking up that massive contract, that 200, yeah. $300 million contract, right? If you don't think that's the case, right? Then you allow someone else to take their tail end mm-hmm. of that contract and let them handle all the health issues, yeah, yeah. There. So, I, and pitching, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. It adds depth too, right? Because you have so many pitchers. Out of the fourteen they got in the first twenty, maybe half will pan out. You know, and yeah, that's that, pretty right? good, right? Yeah. That's pretty good if they can get seven out of fourteen to pan out. You know, and and that adds media depth for you. Adds uh, equity in terms of hey, you want to make a blockbuster trade? You have something to give up. You know, so mm-hmm. I think it's a great thing, and I think. Um, the Giants farm system has always been pretty good at developing pitchers, right? Like we've seen, you know, guys come up from the farm system and become good relievers at least, you know, so we'll, we'll have to see uh, how well they develop here and what value we get. I think the first round um, pick that we got from number 14, uh, Will Bender seems pretty exciting, right? From Mississippi state. 
um, 6'2", 2'30 guy. And, you know, I think his ERA was as impressive, but he, he had 139 strikeouts in 2021, you know. So that's that alone I think is pretty amazing. So we'll, we'll have to see what that guy can bring. But that already, I think, it's already got people excited for him, you know. So, um, yeah. but, yeah, we have to wait, though, right? I think for these picks, and that's what's good and bad about baseball is – we probably won't see him for what three years, maybe Mike, four years. <laughs> um, well, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully, you know, if they're like a superstar waiting to happen, it'll be a couple years here. Okay. Um, but you know, I hear Will Bettner is like a bulldog, right? He's gonna eat yeah. up innings, he's built like he's he's built like a you know, number one, number two starter, you know, out there. Yeah. So I really love the pick. I love the philosophy of, you know, stocking up on pitchers. I have no yep. problem with that at all, just because. I love it. Well, I just because this organization hasn't really seen a guy come up, right, yeah. since maybe Madison Bumgarner in 2010, right? right? And, and we're, we do a pretty good job of evaluating positional players and getting free agents in here, positional-wise, right? So I think it's, uh, you know, I have I have every faith in this front office if they have a pretty solid farm system and get getting a pretty in-house, I guess, pitching staff together. They can put together easily um, a free agency or some one or two, like, farmed uh, positional player become a really good team for a long time, right, and creating that dynasty again. And we saw it with the 2010 Giants. You know, like, if you have pretty solid pitching and you add a few more pieces to your positional players, you can win the World Series, right? So um, so I think that philosophy can, can work here. Yeah. And one more thing about the Giants, you know, they ended the season with a record, I think, winning 56, 57 games. Yeah, awesome. Year. You know, looking back at the 2016 Giants, um, they were they had an identical record uh, by the All Star uh, break, actually. Yeah, uh-huh. right. And this was the twenty six Giants that uh, you know went on to the was basically crawled into the playoffs. Um, they mm-hmm. won a wild card game due to Bumgarner's yeah. heroics in that one game mm-hmm. playoff, and then they lost to the Cubs in four games yep. or so. Right. Yeah, and that was disappointing. Like whole, <laughs> and then we saw like a whole organizational decline after that series, right? Yeah, I don't think the, the Giants have the... made. Well, I don't think the Giants have made the playoffs ever since. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. They haven't made the that playoffs. That was the end of always. the Bochi dynasty, right? I think that was the last Bochi era type team. You know, <laughs> um, after that, it's. Just... But I we we gotta admit though that I think the organization's more equipped um, after this season as opposed mm-hmm. to after that 2016 season. Right. Yeah, I think we're on the rise right now, right? I think this is a rise of of some more things to come, you know. Like if we don't get it done this season, I think next season we're definitely positioned for success. But we're definitely looking for this team to do well this season though. <laughs> I must yeah. say. You know, at Absolutely. least make it to the playoffs, you know. So let's see what happens. All right. So moving on to the NBA um here. So the the, the finals are still going on. Um, you know, the Suns are up 2-1 here and the Bucks, you know, will try to make it 2-2 um, by the yeah. by the end of this episode um, here. <laughs> but uh, let's kind of talk about Olympic basketball, right? Just because, uh, yep. you know, we've seen Team USA, a.k.a. the Dream Team um, here, lose two <laughs> exhibitions. Are they still called the Dream Team? Are they still called the Dream Team? Do you know? I would think so, right? I would think they are. Are they? Until... I don't know. <laughs> Well, they lost two exhibition games, right? Both to Nigeria, coached by uh, Mike Brown um, from the Warriors. 
Um, and they also lost to Australia um, there a few days later. Mm. Uh, they did win a game against Argentina um, here, but do you think we have any concerns um, regarding this team? Um, or do you think uh, they'll, they'll figure things out and blow by the competition once the games really count? I think Greg Popovich is a head coach, right? Greg yes. Popovich is, yeah, he's a head coach. So, yeah, I think, you know what? <laughs> I think it's way overblown. Everyone's like all worried. They're calling him, calling this team the nightmare team now, right? Instead mm-hmm. of the dream team, but whatever. I think, okay, sure, they lost Nigeria, Nigeria, Australia, who haven't won anything before, but it's also exhibition. It's also the early in the season or early, right? I think the first two games. I think all the stars and all the Team USA team was just getting in there, trying to feel each other out, trying to like, you know, this is the first time they ever played with each other, right, um, as a unit here. So I think they were just trying to get to them. I felt I felt like they felt like it was a practice or a warm-up or trying to get, um, you know, the chemistry down, right, like trying to build that rapport or whatever. For Nigeria and Australia, there's probably guys who played together before and this is like one of the most important games of their careers, right? Because they're on yeah. the court with someone like Kevin Durant or, or LeBron, who they're like, wor- like not worshiping, but like idolizing, right? Because if you're going to be a basketball player in these other countries, you're going to be watching the NBA. You're going to be following these teams. So I think they just, um, you know, they just took it a little bit easier on them where these teams were super into it, you know? So... So yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think there's anything to worry. I don't think there's anything to worry at all. I think it's just you know we'll see what happens when it comes crunch time. And we all know how it goes with the regular season basketball teams, where regular season the intensity is a little bit down, but they're in the playoffs. Guess what happens? They spike up and they play play amazing and lights out, right? So I mean, are you worried? You're not worried, right? Uh, not <laughs> not too worried, just because I know there's going to be some reinforcements um, coming in. Um, here, uh, specifically guys like Jewel Holiday, um, who's a really great perimeter de- defender, and he's mm, going to be very mm-hmm. useful for that team. And then you're going to also have Devin Booker and Chris Middleton um, coming back to Team yeah. USA, too, after the NBA Finals. So they're going to need those guys. Um, and you also have to keep in mind that you know some of these players just finished some grueling NBA playoff series as well. Right? Mm, Kevin Durant just right. came back yeah. from like a seven-game series, not too not too long ago um typically you know they would want some rest you know in between the playoffs and the olympics and they didn't really get that um yeah do you know why that is is it because of covid and the schedule or is that why didn't they get the rest like i remember the past it did right do you remember um, let's see it's it's july now you know usually they'll i mean usually the olympics you know if if it's an olympic year it it usually starts pretty quickly right in july yeah it's july right Right. but what about the regular nba season usually it wraps up earlier right i think maybe in in like april time frame is when it usually wraps up in june actually oh june so we're actually um behind Uh, that's also because i think the season wrap i think the season started in december or so oh that's right so it is because of covid and Yeah. yeah okay i see yeah, that right. sucks. That's um, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no think, one's feeling sorry for us, man. No one's feeling yeah. sorry for us. <laughs> I think I'll be fine. I think um, I, you know, I'm happy to root for Draymond. I think he's representing the Warriors there, right? So it's mm-hmm. uh, that'll be kind of cool to watch him 
watch him play and a lot of stuff, you know. It's been cool to see Curry there, but totally understand why you can't play. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a solid team. I think Team USA will be okay. Yeah, me too. All right, so let's uh, conclude with our picks for the week. We only have one because there's no baseball, <laughs> right? Baseball is kind of on a hiatus because of Star uh, All-Star Week, um, so we don't have any picks there. But let's do NBA Finals, right? Um, I guess let's just start with who you think will win the series. Okay, no odds, just straight up pick the series, right? Mm-hmm. And then after that, we'll do the next game, right? So game four, which is Phoenix at Milwaukee, spreads minus four and a half. Um, let's just first go with your picks of the game, okay? Like who you think are the series? Sorry, who you think is gonna win the series? I think without any without any betting line, I'm gonna pick the Suns um, to win this series. Um, first, just because I think they have an offensive um, advantage over the mm-hmm. Bucks, and meaning that they can they can get points in a hurry um, there, in which the Bucks really have to struggle um, throughout mm-hmm. the series just to you know get any traction. Right, they need yep. they need monster performances. The Bucks need monster performances from Giannis. Right, mm-hmm. numbers like forty and ten to get to just mm-hmm. win the game or even have a chance. And I think the the Suns have a much more efficient and easier time, you know, getting over one hundred and ten points a game. Right? right. So, and also on top of that, they have home court advantage um, in this yep. series, and it's going to be very tough to beat them. What you know, the rest of the way. So I'm going to pick the Suns. I'm here to win this series. Um, number of games. The odds got better. better. It was up 200 for the Bucks and then minus 250 for the Suns. So that means if you bet $100 on the Bucks, you'll win $200 back. Um, to get to win $100, you have to bet 250 on the Suns to get $100. So it's a. Uh, you know, last week it was double this, right? I think the Bucks were close to plus 300, and the Suns were minus. Like three fifty, right? So I think it was a hundred yeah. hundred dollar swing because you know the Bucks won the game. You know, um, so I guess yeah. with those odds, I think betting wise for those odds, I I actually would lean towards the Suns. I think minus two forty nine is actually not bad for a team that's up to one in the series and like you said, mm-hmm. still has home court advantage. I think it would be different if they're up to one and lost a game at home. You know, that would be completely different. You know, but. Right. Um, but he didn't, so I think yeah, I would still go. I would go with the minus two two forty nine. That's not too bad. It sucks, but it's not too bad <laughs> for the series, right? For okay. the series, yeah, yeah, yeah. For okay. the series. Are we going to try to pick for the next game? Yeah, let's do the game. So it's um, Milwaukee at home minus four and a half. Milwaukee favored over under is two twenty one. What do you have? Hmm. That's a that's a tough one. Wow. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think tough. they got it pretty pretty accurate, right? I think it's gonna be a close to a four point game there. So I think they did a really good job of making the lines. You know, and typically that's what happens near the end of the season, right? They do pretty good at making the lines. So yeah, yeah. I think. Let me go first. So yeah, let me go you first, know, and then yeah, you, you can know, go like, first on this one. Okay, so I think minus four and a half is pretty generous to Milwaukee, to be honest with you, right? Yeah. So I, I think um, I think Phoenix will keep it close, especially since they lost the last game. And like you said, they I think Milwaukee had to do a lot to win that game, you know. And then also given traveling schedules and things like that, I think Phoenix stayed in Milwaukee for the series. So 
So yeah, I'll, I'll give Phoenix plus four and a half. I actually like that line now. Right? I think it's going to be close, but I think Phoenix still pulls it out. Um, so to me, it's more like, you know, Phoenix minus two is kind of close to the line because I think I actually think Phoenix wins by one or two or three points. You know, so you're you're basically giving yourself like a minus seven yeah. seven spread there, I guess. And as far as the over under two twenty one, sounds pretty accurate to me. So that one's pretty tough. Um, I'll lean towards the under um, based on what you said. <laughs> no real data to go by it, but I think it's just really hard for Milwaukee to keep up with the Suns and putting up those points. So when you have one team that kind of lags behind and one team that's you know easy at game points, then I think the over under the under is usually the best way to go. So I'm going going with the under. How about you? Yeah, I'm gonna go with the under as well, uh, just because of all the stuff we just mentioned. Um, but I, my basic, my gut instinct was to go with the Bucks um, mm-hmm. here. I think the Bucks will pull this one off, um, probably win by three or four points um, here and make and tie it up two two. And then I mm-hmm. see the Suns winning um, game five um, here. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I that's just a, think like that's maybe a popular the popular pick. That's a popular pick. Like, yeah, the Bucks and I also and I also pick, find so. I also think the added rest will help the Bucks, especially Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, too, while the Suns don't really have any significant injuries to their uh, main rotation guys, right? Yeah. So I think the added rest will help um, here. The Bucks are at home, um, and I think that the the added time will give uh, the Bucks coaching staff mm-hmm. um, some preparation, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. make some adjustments along the way too. So I'll go with the Bucks here and the and yeah. the under. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think that's not a bad bet. Uh, I think that's a popular bet, right? I think a lot of people think the Bucks will win. I just feel yeah. like that four, that three and a half is or four and a half is that's stretching it. You know, <laughs> I think they might win by two at most. That's why I'm, you know, I'm leaning towards the Suns, and when I feel that way, I usually take the team that yeah that's the underdog. You know, so um, especially a, a strong underdog, right? Like Phoenix is a team that. You can see easily see them win this game. You know, if that's the case, that's where I lean towards. You know, so and and you get the points on top of it. It just feels like a win-win to me. You know, yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. All right, I All think right. that concludes this week. So we never we, one thing. One thing though, we never talked about Damian Miller. Maybe we can talk about it briefly because he's been, you know, a hot topic between me and you at times on this show, like. There's some rumors of him being traded to the the Warriors. Do you like? I, I just I think it's all, nonsense. How likely, and do you think it? Do, would you like it if they actually did it? I don't. I really don't think it's really worth um, talking about too much, just because it's unrealistic, <laughs> and just yeah. because um, the offers or the the trade rumors that are being put out there is really, really off the wall. Yeah. And and second of all, well, you what, don't really, what if, what if though? What if they came up with a solution that doesn't hurt your starting lineup, okay, and that isn't something that's like unreasonable? Because right now, obviously, it's all unreasonable, right? But well, imagine well, if they somehow made a trade that's good, like somehow, like make a trade that's like reasonable. It's impossible. No, it's impossible it. to alter their starting lineup because you're gonna have to give up. Wig- you're gonna have to give up your two Wiggins first round probably, picks. Yeah. No, you have to give up your two first round picks. You have to give up James Wiseman. And then you need to put Damian Lillard out there to offset Damian Lillard's contract, right? Yeah. You can't just add Damian Lillard onto there <laughs> and think that's that's right. going to be okay. It's not going to work out the numbers wise, 
right? Yeah, but would you so, even want him? My question is, I don't know if I even want him. I, I like him as a player, but I don't think he's a good fit on this team, right? I think, you know, he's a good shooter. He's good, you know, on the ball and all that stuff. But does that remind you of D'Angelo Russell, who's also kind of the no, same? No, I don't. I don't no, he. No? I don't. I don't think that's D'Angelo Russell at all. I think he would fit well. But then you're gonna have to put a lot of defensive burden on Clay Thompson. Yeah, right. exactly. That's, right? It's gonna and and that's a lot yeah, to Clay's put on coming Clay off Thompson. An injury, yeah, he's coming off an injury, right? So why would you? Uh, yeah, I just I don't even think I want this trade, right? Even if it's a reasonable trade, <laughs> I think that's my point here, right? I think you know, set aside the rumors of of the trade deal, how lopsided it's gonna be, right? Would you even want the guy? You know, so these rumors heating up for it. I don't think the Warriors are even really that serious about it. You know, and Miller, Damian Miller is a free agent in two years, right? Presumably, he can probably sign with the Warriors at that point. <laughs> you know, and then I think we just have to make cap space for him at that point. I think the Warriors, I think, will wait it out. You know, and see how Thompson does before they make a move like this. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, just a lot. It's just a lot of assets to give up um, here. You're giving yeah. up. You're giving up a young player that you just drafted at number two. You're giving up two first round picks of this year's draft, and then you also have to offset Wiggins along the way. Yeah, um, it's ridiculous. It's, it's like lot. everyone, why would you give up Wiggins? Or oh, sorry, Wiseman, right? I think there's a lot of rumors about Wiseman being traded somewhere. It's like. Why would you do that? <laughs> you know, I think people are so short term in their memory of like how how valuable Wiseman can be to the team. You know that they're ready to ditch him already because he got injured. You know, it's like I don't yeah. know. I, you I have think to keep in mind Wiseman is only nineteen. He's only nineteen years old, right? Yeah. Or he became. Tw- oh, he's going to be twenty this year. Twenty soon. Yeah. How but many nineteen-year-olds yeah. in, in NBA history really came in and was very productive? Right, not even exactly. Kobe Bryant was very productive when he was 19 years old, coming yeah. into the NBA, right? And then you see guys like Jermaine O'Neal. I think he came onto the NBA at 18, 19 or mm-hmm. so. He wasn't really effective probably until four four years later, right? Right. So these these big guys, you know, they take a while to develop, and you know, fans in this in this social media modern area, they want quick results. They're not, you know, they don't they don't think of the the long term, right? They just think of yeah. what you can do now. So, you know, just finding some patience, you know, in the development mm. process is really tough. It's really tough, even for the Warriors management to, you know, wrap their heads around, right? You yeah, hear Bob absolutely. Myers saying like, okay, well, we don't really want to develop right at this point in, in, in sacrifice of winning games, but, yeah, but you know, you have to understand that you do <laughs> have to develop a guy, you know, hopefully. And, you know, most of the time they're going to be okay. Right. In a couple yeah. of years. So. I think he's saying that for leverage, right. If he says, Oh, we definitely want to develop players and his leverage is gone. You know? So I think he had to see that, for leverage on any potential trade options and at least to entertain offers, you yeah. want to say you want to win now, then you start getting other GMs calling you, asking you for offers, right? So so I think it's all a mental game here. So anyways, just wanted to throw that out there because I thought it was worthy of a conversation, you know. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely intriguing because you know that's a big name, right? And the guy is from Oakland. So and then there's so many rumors. I mean, there's Ben Simmons that are out there right now too, and you know, and a was it a Lupe or whatever. Like, there's so many rumors out there. I think 
most likely we just stick with the team we have. Right? Yeah, 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 definitely here. I don't really foresee any huge changes, to be honest. It's going to be very challenging yeah. to do that. Cool, cool. All right, guys. Well, that's the show for today. We'll see you guys next week. Take care, everyone. See you. Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast at Mike 408 at Mind of Jerry 11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.